0: good morning morning. Psalm 139 says search me O God and know my heart today as we open our service this morning prepare us to listen to God and be prepared to meet with God and have him speak to us he wants to speak to us he wants us to listen so this morning as we come together in our service, let's just know that we are in the presence of God and that he really wants to speak to us now. Let's open our service with a prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us good things which we are not worthy to ask, save through the merits and meditations of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.
1: The reading this morning is Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter 1 and reading verses 15 to 23. It's entitled The Supremacy of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations if you continue in your faith. Established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul. Have become a servant.
2: Um, today, we, uh, as we finish up our kind of our summer stuff, uh, we start a new series called "Principles to Live By." And in the next number of weeks, we're going to look at a number of things from the scriptures that we, as Christians, are called to live by. The things that will mark our lives, if you like. The things that, as other people look in be able to see and know that we are members of Christ's family, his body uh, by these things that we exude these things that we show to other people. This series is going to look at topics like who we are, looking after ourselves, operating on our gifting, our possessions, being accountable. I look at different passages through the scriptures to pull these things out for us um, because what you do with it is a different story. So we can look at all these things. And as Frank actually opened the service, we didn't have that conversation, but as Frank opened the service today, um, he, he was encouraging us to be open whenever we come into this place, to be open to see what God would do to us, speak to us, say to us, so we could leave transformed and changed by his word and by what it is that we do as we gather. And so actually we can look at these principles, we can look at who we are, we can look at how we look after ourselves, we can look at operating within the gifts that God has given us, we can know about being accountable, what we do with our processions. All these things are great principles to live by. To know those principles are great, but to live them out is something different. So we can learn about them, we can hear about them, we can understand them. But what we do with them is a different story. How we live them out, it's up to you and me as I prepare for this and as we move out um, into the world around us. So as we begin, let's just pray uh, as we look at these scriptures today. Father God, we thank you that you are indeed present with us. And so as we invite you, your Holy Spirit, to come and to do his work amongst us, we're not neglecting the fact of your promise that you have said you will be with us. We know that. But in that invitation, we are opening ourselves before you. Our lives and our bodies, our souls, our hearts and our minds to what you would do with us and amongst us, individually and collectively, as a body of believers. In your name, amen. amen. It's getting very warm. Whenever people take their coats off, it means they're in for a long stay, doesn't it? Um, so that question, who are you, is the question that we ask today. Um, and that's one of the most fundamental questions that you can ever be asked. Who are you? i to share with you something that I don't often share uh, pastoral suggestions uh, out, but uh, I was in the presence of somebody one day and as they talked about um, all of the goings-on within that particular parish that we were uh, uh, pastoring at that particular moment in time, um, they, they talked away about all kinds of things and as the conversation deepened and grew, I began to realise that really doesn't sound like or church. As the conversation got a little bit further, um, the person um, then started describing um, that they'd asked somebody to come round to the rectory um, to leave something off. Um, did I get it? And I said, no, I never got that. And they said, well, I don't know why. H- has the rectory moved? And I said, no, no, the rectory hasn't moved. The rectory's still in the same place. It's at the back of the army camp um, off the Kirkwoods Road. No, 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 no. No, no, you're off a different road out of Belfast. No, no. And it began being really apparent that the individual thought I was a completely different minister of a completely different church. Um, And there was this confusion until the point where this individual looked at me and went, who are you and why are you here? Now, that fundamental question then got me asking myself, who am I and why am I here? And is this individual actually belonging to somewhere completely different or do they actually belong to our parish? And so, as we began to delve deeper, we began to realize that it was a complete, total, and utter misunderstanding and I'd been sent to the entirely wrong room. That was the first person, uh, the first time I'd met this individual. Um, and so the confusion was settled out but actually here's the thing who are you and why are you here that goes two ways actually who are you in terms of are you known because we know each other we can say hello to each other we can call each other by name and to be known as we said this before from this space to be known is something that is at the very deepest desire within each one of us, that somebody, not not that sense of pride that we're suddenly famous, but to be known, to know that other people care about us and love us and look out for us, is something at the very heart of our very beings as individuals and as humans. But why are you here? And sometimes we ask that question in this big, broad, general sense of why are we here? What's our purpose in life? What is it that we have to do? other times, we'll ask that question: Why on earth am I here? Um, we were in the North Coast uh, yesterday, um, and I found myself standing in curries. Very nearly said barries. It's a horrendous place. Noise, and it's this strange smell that has never changed over all of the years. That's mixed with really bad odour. And popcorn. And it's not anywhere else in the I've ever encountered. It's there. It's always been there. And the noise and the people and the madness. Ah. And I did ask myself yesterday why am I here? What am I doing here? And then I look around and I see my daughter enjoying herself in on one of the rides. And the smile on the face, and then I realise why I am there. And maybe we ask ourselves that question as well. Why are we here? Why are we a member of this church? And then we look around and we realize it's because we're known, we're cared for, we're loved. That this is where we've grown up. This is a part of who we are. This is a a desire that we reach out into this community. This is our collective community of faith. Without this collective community of faith giving us strength, we're uncertain where we would be. So who you are and why you're here is some of the most fundamental questions that we can ask ourselves as individuals and collectively as a church. Because knowing who you are is key to your own sanity. Whenever you know who you are, you can lead a purposeful life. And we can probably think back to a time in our lives, if you like, or maybe it's a current time in our life where we're really understanding who we are. And sometimes we go through that period of, some analyst, some psychologist once said, that whenever we're we're in our teenage years, we believe that we are far more than we actually are. Whenever we're in our 20s, we believe that we can change the world. Whenever we're in our 30s, we believe that everybody else is worried about what it is that we think. Whenever we get to our 40s, We begin to realize that not many other people worry about what it is that we do or think. Then we get to our 50s, we begin to think, I'm not really caring about what other people think. And they say 60 plus is the point in your life where you go, the heck with, I'm my own, I'm myself, and it doesn't really matter. That's what the psychologists tell us as they study people over the years. And so to know who you are is really key in the midst of that because whenever you know who you are and why you're here, everything else can begin to settle around you because you stop trying to be something else. You stop trying to be something that will please other people or you stop trying to be something that you imagine that you're being pushed into becoming. If we don't know who we are, then we often try to be what other people want us to be. So in this first session, as we look at this passage of Colossians, it sets the scene to help us understand that we are not our own. We are God's and we've been bought at a price and loved beyond measure. And so the key to finding out who you are, the scripture tells us, is an understanding that you are not your own, which is kind of countercultural; <laughs> It goes against the grain. Our culture tells us that we're nothing more than the square root of ourselves. Everything is about me. It's everything points to me. It's all about how I feel, what it is that I want to do, and how other people perceive me. Yet everything we need is found from within. That's what they tell us. The culture tells us that everything that we need is found from within ourselves. It's defined by how we feel. Yet the Bible tells us it's completely different because we are not our own, we are... God's bought at a price. The Bible tells us that we are made in God's image. Male and female, he created them. Isn't that what the story of Genesis tells us? Male and female, he created them. And in a world that encourages us to be whatever it is that we want to be, whether we believe that is right or wrong or indifferent, whether we believe it's possible or not, You can be whatever it is that you want to be. The Scriptures are very clear that we are male and female created in God's image. And that's counter-cultural to the world around us. It's counter-cultural to the world around us or... Is the culture around us counter-cultural to the millenniums that have went before us? (laughs) Because actually we've stood in that principle as a humankind for a very long time. The understanding that we are not our own, that we're created in His image, that we bear His mark, that there's a God-shaped hole within each one of us that only He and fill. The Bible goes on to tell us that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. It tells us that in Romans. That everything that he has given to his son, he now gives to us. We are heirs and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings, it tells us in Romans. So why do we find that so hard to believe? Why do we find it so hard to believe that we are not our own, we are God's and we are heirs and co-heirs of everything that he has for us. But yet, within us, we try to walk away from that. We, we walk away, we try to work out who it is that we are in our own steam, in our own strength, in our own way, rather than actually bowing to the fact and the truth and the promise that God gives us. We do that because the master of lies, the devil himself, has been whispering in our ears, Did God really say that? Isn't that what he whispered in the garden? He didn't outrightly say this, this, and this. This is what God said. This is what God didn't say. He said, did God really say that? He showed an element of doubt within the hearts and the minds of Adam and Eve. And he's still doing it today. So who will we believe? Colossians 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 15 says, He is the image, that is Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, all things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead. So in everything he might have supremacy, and we're heirs and co-heirs with him. That's good news. That's a complete picture that Jesus is supreme and in control. This is who we are in heir with. This is who we share everything with. But this passage also tells us that once we were alienated from God... In verse 21, and we're enemies in our own minds because of our evil behavior, that sense of buying to those lies of the devil. But now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, fear from accusation. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm and not move beyond the hope held out in the gospel, this gospel. There's the turning point. We are redeemed sanctified, saved. Whatever language or word you want to put on that, we have been changed by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been bought at a price. We are not our own. We are God's. An extravagant, bought at an extravagant price, yet free to us. Separate an alien alienated, yet now loved beyond measure. We are not our own. We are God's. And stepping into that truth, into that promise, unlocks the door to knowing who you are and what your purpose is. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us this, For we were created God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's workmanship. Isn't
0: that good news?
2: You are God's workmanship. Hear nothing else from everything that's said and done today. If you take nothing else away from today, take those words away. You are God's workmanship. And the next time that you fail to believe that, stand in front of the mirror and recite it to yourself. You are God's workmanship, created in His image, for His purpose. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And his ways are higher than our ways. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> his ways are higher than my ways. His plan's greater than our plan. So do you know the author and perfecter of your faith? Do you know that he died for you? That he bought your freedom? That he paid the price, the penalty for your sin, my sin? That he opens the way to freedom, to purpose, and to life? In the words of Jesus himself, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life, and life in all of its fullness. As the scripture tells us in 1 John 4, chapter 4, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And so our culture tells us that if we look beyond ourselves, we're weak. It's all about me. God says in our weakness, his power is made perfect. Bowing the knee is seen as a weakness to the culture around us, yet surrendering to God puts the missing piece of the jigsaw in its final place. Our culture tells us that if we look beyond ourselves, we're weak. That bowing the knee is seen as a weakness, yet God says in our weakness His power is made perfect. Well, I know which one I would rather choose. I would rather choose to know that, and admit that I am weak because I know I am but to stand in that foundational promise that in that weakness, when I look to God, I receive strength that's beyond myself. So may today, may we know who we are. May we know that we are the Lord's. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you met us even when we were still afar off. You called us home. That dying, you restored our life. At living, you've given us a purpose. So today, as we explore who we are, may we meet with you afresh and anew like never before. That in our weaknesses, may we find a strength that can only come from you. In your name we pray. Let's just pray together as we close. Father God, we thank you that you are with us, that you call us to be yours, and today we can know who we are. We can know who we are as we stand in the promise that we are a child of the God who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask, seek, or would even dare to imagine. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. With the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Rest on each one of us this day and forevermore.
0: Amen.